What do you say to the parent who just got the diagnosis? Their world just got rocked. They're just depressed. They don't think they have what it takes to do this and they don't want to do this. Like, what do you say to them? It is hard, but it definitely does get easier. The first, the beginning, I would say the first year was the hardest for us. But really, really educate yourself and learn to advocate for yourself. You have no loss in trying and asking for something, you know. I would say it only gets better. Your child will improve. A lot of the time I see see regression, especially in autistic kids. Mm -hmm. And then we see it's a stepwise kind of pattern I've noticed more. So you need to see some regression, even with the potty training. When he was potty trained, he regressed a little bit. But then you see that leap again. And you think, wow, why? how come I did not believe at that time, you know? How yeah. did I not believe? Um, and of course, taking care of the, yourself as a parent too. It's hard to find the time, especially with a special needs child. Welcome to the Daily Naked Parent Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. On today's show, we'll be discussing how to advocate for your child. Hello, Naked Parent Nation, and welcome to today's episode of the Naked Parent Podcast. My name's Chad Ratliff, and I'm your host. Before I introduce you to our guest today, let me start by sharing a message from Naked Parent Nation. Naked Parent Nation is a worldwide community of parents and professionals raising children with all kinds of needs. We come together to share our naked truth, support our fellow parents, and inspire the inner growth that each of us needs to build the life and family of our dreams. For the parents that are struggling, we want you to know that we will love you until you can love yourself. For your children, we pray and send power from our collective group. Naked parenting is the process of moving from where you are to where you want to be. Naked parenting understands that the mind is responsible for all of our problems. As you shed the layers of your old programming and beliefs, you will return to the deepest truths of your own being. Do what you've always done and receive the life you're living or create the vision you want for your family. Combine that with an elevated emotion, support from our community, and you can live the life of your dreams and beyond. We have the power to create any kind of life we want for ourselves and our families. We do this by living in the naked present moment one day at a time. If this is your first time connecting with us, I hope you feel the love that's here for you. Together, we walk different paths side by side. On today's show, we have Miriam Shapira, who's a family doctor, mother of three, one who's autistic. She recently published her first children's book, which was inspired by her son. She's advocating on a daily basis for her son to allow him better accessibility, and to increase awareness and acceptance of autism. She loves learning from experts and other parents of kids with special needs. Miriam, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chad. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you here. You're living in San Diego. You're a family doctor, mother of three. Can you tell us a little bit about, paint the picture a little bit brighter for us? What does family look like for the Shapiras? So yes, I'm a part-time family doctor. 
Uh, I work per diem, so um, that allows some flexibility as a mother um, of three, especially when you have a child with some special needs. So yes, uh, my oldest is just turned nine, uh, my daughter, and then I have Joe, Joseph, um, who's my middle child. He's autistic and he's six. He'll be seven soon. And then I have my youngest who just turned five. So I try to be as much as hands-on as possible with, with my children. Um, you know, time flies. And as they grow older, I feel like it's, they're going, you know, time is going quicker, you know? Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so that's why I work part-time. And also um, recognizing the needs of my autistic child, I feel I have to spend time, you know, advocating for him and being there with him, whether advocating directly, you know, being with him or indirectly in other ways. So... When did the autism part of the journey begin? What was the first sign? You know, since actually I would have to say, I know this sounds so like, like from a story or a fairy tale, but since he was born, um, he was my second one. So I kind of had a bit of an idea, but since he was born, I noticed something different about Joe. Very calm, very quiet, very sweet boy. He actually let me do my errands and things around the house, which was great. Didn't interact much with toys at that time. And by the time he was one, he didn't have many words, like one word, maybe two. And then between the age of one and two was a bit more obvious for us. Um, both me and my husband are doctors. He's an internist, I'm a family doctor. But despite that, we don't get much teaching on autism. I graduated back in 2007 and I had, I think, one lecture on autism. Very um, kind of negative, deficit-based view of autism, I'd have to say, and not very characteristic of what my son had. But we did notice he was delayed in speech and we were suspecting maybe he's autistic. He liked to play by himself, but he was also with his sister, um, more parallel play with her. She was two years older than him. And then by two, we went for the well child for his physical and the pediatrician recommended, I told her my concerns and she also saw how he interacted and played with some toys. And she recommended a developmental assessment. And at that time, we also asked for speech therapy referral. Um, He was about two years and two months when he started the evaluation for speech therapy. And then we had our regional center come in and they did the assessment for um, Joe when he was two and a half at our house. It wasn't the best experience um, because, you know, you have two strangers coming in for two hours in your home and expecting Joseph to do this, this, this as a checklist. Then they come to you at the end and say, he can't do this. He's not meeting this milestone, this, this. Nothing really positive coming out of it. And there's a lot of stuff I've seen him do. And okay, that's fine. Okay, fine. And then that's when we started the ABA therapy at that time too, recommended as a treatment for autism as well, the way they put it at that time. Little did I know later, (laughs) it was like, I learned learned more as from then on, you know, come a long way since then. But anyway, yeah, so that's when we started. He was two and a half when we started speech therapy and ABA therapy three times a week. And so the third child, is they're close in age, huh? The Joe and yes. the Yes, younger. they're two years apart, each old, all of them. Yeah, so he's definitely like the middle, you know. I see. What was that like for you, seeing something look different and then getting coming to understand what you were actually working with? How was that for you personally? We were in de- I was in denial. Like there were some days when I thought, no, we can get through this. Maybe next time, like maybe in another week, he'll meet the milestone and it's done with, you know. And then other days were bad and we were crying, especially myself, because it's a lifelong diagnosis. It's um, a lifelong disability. I think during COVID is when it started to come together um, because he was spending time at home and we did our own thing um, more. But yeah, up until COVID, it was sort of, we didn't know where we were headed, especially also with ABA. 
speech was going good. He was going once a week and he was progressing at his own pace. And I was still comparing him to those milestones that you see when you go to your pediatric clinic, yeah. you know, which you should not do that. But um, those are not made for autistic kids when you're divergent kids. So it was difficult, but I'd say around COVID is when things sort of turned around for us more. Yeah. So and it what, was what, what helped it turn? So in, during COVID, uh, we were going through some potty training issues and we had some difficulty with that with Joe. He was three to four at that time. And we know that there's delays with potty training in these children, but I also knew he was capable of doing it. I just didn't know how. And we tried several ways. And ABA weren't able to, we were only doing Zoom at that time and it wasn't effective. So we stopped it altogether during COVID. And I did some research and I saw that you could actually bring in a private potty consultant into your home. Um, and even, it, was, it wasn't exactly at the height of the pandemic, it was like six months later. So we did bring someone in and she stayed for three days and we had him potty trained basically. So, and I continued to work with him after that. And it, helped, it was during COVID as well. So it was, you know, I had some time, I wasn't working. So that's one thing we did. I worked with him with potty training. The other thing is he didn't go, he did. He only had one hour of online learning at that time. He wasn't in full-time education. He was still in preschool. And so I just followed his lead. It just seemed so natural with playing. And I had him sit at the table, maybe just for a few minutes. I gave him a break. So I knew he needed a sensory break. So I gave that to him. And then a few minutes later, come back, let's do this now. So I kind of followed his lead and saw where he was at. I also saw so much interaction between him and his siblings, like the relationship was so strong. So just little things like that. We took him out um, to parks and things like that, you know, as much as we can to create those experiences as things started opening up. So just that, it's kind of seems weird, but it actually helped with being at home for that one year time. Yeah. Awesome. For a parent that thinks that their child could learn to be potty trained, do you recommend the intensive potty training expert? Does that, do you feel like that was worthwhile expense? It was for us. I had my older daughter who had her own needs, um, especially academically at that time, she was in TK, like in kindergarten. And then I had my youngest as well. He was just turned two and I just felt I couldn't do it. I mean, I tried, but it just, it didn't work with him. And based, she was trained in potty training autistic kids, not neurotypical children. So she had the experience. There's no such thing as getting a certificate in potty training autistic kids, but yeah. she had the experience of that. And she was a psychologist. So she had a PhD. And yeah, she gave me so much advice and this and that. And we still keep in touch over other things. I'm helping with advocating and things like that. So I don't regret that at all, even that's though great. it was expensive. <laughs> yeah, How did dad handle learning about and dealing with the diagnosis? I think he handled it better than I did. Um, uh, I'm, I, was probably, I was probably the one more like stress, stressing about it and reading about it more. And he was kind of more reassuring me, it'll be fine. You know, if you are doing well, he'll do well too, which is so true because yeah. I know when I have good days, he has good days too. It's a whole co-regulation thing, I believe, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think he handled it well. I am more, I do definitely spend more time with Joe than my husband does. He's more at work, he's full time. So he's busy at work, um, even on weekends. So I do spend more time with him, but uh, he loves his father very much. They have that music connection with each other because my husband plays music and he's learning to play the violin too. And he teaches my daughter the keyboard. So Joe is very musical as many autistic kids are, and he's always drawn towards that. And so, yeah. <laughs> cool. cool. How does Joe's autism make him unique? 
Ah, uh, so much. It's so like, there's so many things about him. The musical, actually continuing about the musical part, he's very musical. And it's just in all different ways, it's beautiful. When he hums, it's pitch, he has perfect pitch. Um, and you even see people like strangers, oh, he has a beautiful voice. But I think what they mean is he has perfect pitch. So you just want to listen to him all day. He has his own like pattern recognition with music notes. He loves to have, my daughter uses an app for learning music on her iPad. And so he loves to look at the music notes on there and try to play while he's looking at those music notes going by. Other ways he's unique. He loves letters and numbers. Uh, he is hyperlexic. He learned to read by himself when he was four. And that took us all by surprise. Again, that's another thing that happened during COVID. So we exposed him to lots of books and he always loved numbers and ABCs and all that. Um, so he loves books and reading and those things. And he's so empathetic with his siblings in his own way, but you can tell it's empathy. It's just his own way. So That's yeah, just, awesome. a, just a few things. We talk about advocating and how important that is. What can we do to create a better world for our kids, these kids with autism? What do we need to do to make a place for them. Um, yeah, there's so much, I think, um, from different parts. So I think it's like there's direct aspect of it. So you being with the ch your child, that's fine. But I think with their school, it's important. I'm going to be involved in teacher-parent meetings starting this month. I'm not sure what they're going to involve yet, but they happen every month. So that'll be exciting to try and see to improve accommodations and supports for autistic kids and other kids like Joseph. That's one, one, one way you can advocate, of course, for your own child, keeping in constant touch with the teacher, asking for accommodations, things like that. If you're not happy, you can always request an IEP meeting anytime. It doesn't have to, you don't have to wait for the annual IEP meeting. Um, if you feel uncomfortable to advocate yourself, bring in an advocate, bring in any therapists that are involved in Joseph's, like in my, in my son's care, I involve the SLP. I, try, I bring in his EBA uh, from his ABA company. And I also had another advocate come in too. And so I think in terms of like the community, being involved in the school, in your child's school is so important to see how their classroom is, what, how you can improve accommodations. Having, for example, a sensory gym would be great for these kids yes. um, in their school. For the wider community, online is very important. So being on social media, educating other parents and also educating parents that have, that kids are, kids are not autistic. You know, we go out in public sometimes and I get stares because Joseph is scripting loudly or because he's doing some kind of stemming movement. I think before it would have upset me, maybe I would have cried, but now I'm prepared to say something. You know, if a woman looks at me and says, please tell him to be quiet, if it's in the library or something like that, you know, just educating in a nice way, educating others who are, don't have an autistic person or neurodivergent individuals in their family so that they can educate their kids. So you can reduce bullying, especially as they get older. I'm worried about bullying for my son. He's still yeah. young when he gets older, you know? Yeah, so. of course. What is scripting? Can you uh, explain what scripting is? Scripting is when they repeat back what they hear, for example, from a TV show. So Joseph might be outside. He might look at the sun and then he might start scripting about the sun. So he'll start um, repeating back something he heard like an audio book or a read to me book about the stars and the sun. And he'll sit there and he'll start scripting about that. So it's a way of communicating because he's talking about the sun, but he will repeat back uh, what he's heard. Now it's not always communicative. Most of the time it is, but sometimes he'll just do it to make himself, you know, to regulate himself or 
all just makes feels good. Is there anything that you believe to be true that most parents disagree with? And if nothing comes to mind, no worries. I just sometimes there's people have a different take on certain things. You know, the, the scripting I was telling you about, actually, it's like uh, scripting, but it's called echolalia when they repeat back shorter like phrases. A lot of people may say just ignore that, but we have to acknowledge that because that's actually communicative too. There's this whole thing, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, called Gestalt language processing, which I really advocate for for Joseph. Most autistic kids are Gestalt language processors, which is another way, less common way of learning language. So I would say that's the most important thing. If your autistic child is speech delayed, make sure they are being taught language the right way by NLA certified informed SLP speech therapist, because we had an issue with that with Joe too. And that's why we pay privately now for our speech therapist versus going with our insurance because we want him to be taught the right way. And he has progressed so well. Yeah. ABA should not really, I know why I say controversial, but ABA should not be teaching speech. Um, they are not speech therapists. They don't get training in speech. I understand many of them, we still have ABA. I understand many of them do collaborate with SLPs and that's great, but they should be focused more on the behavior. Why is the behavior happening? rather than focusing on teaching speech and teaching just requests just to get by. It's not that. It should not be like that. Yeah. Awesome. We do something called the lightning round where you give kind of first thing that comes to your mind, like one word to one sentence answer, just to get more of your opinion and uh, experience. Are you up for trying it? Okay. I will try it. (laughs) What's the best advice you have received? Focus on progress, not perfection. What kind of course or retreat or training would you like to see for parents raising special needs children? Focused on speech development, as I was mentioning, language development, um, because we parents spend the most time with kids. Do you have a top resource or recommendation to share with other parents? Yes, the Meaningful Speech course. And also a book. I have a, um, a book by Marge Blank. What's the next thing on your list that you want to add for your individual well-being? Exercise, walking, and outside in the fresh air. (laughs) What's one thing you think would improve your life if you did it or had it? I think just, again, taking care of myself more. Do you have a favorite product you use for yourself or your child or your family that you just love and couldn't live without? Right now, for my child, his peanut ball. He's a very sensory boy, and he loves his peanut ball, also his chew toys or his apples. (laughs) So tell us about this book. You're an author, published author. Yes. So what happened is I've always wanted to write, but it stopped when I went into medical school, of course. So during COVID, I actually was pregnant with uh, baby number four and I had a stillbirth. And Mm. at that time, uh, this was in 2020. And I wrote, I just had the inspiration, uh, actually inspired by Joe because of his love for music and space. The idea came to my mind and I wrote the story about a boy who lost his music notes. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually want to publish or anything like that or go through with it. But then my husband encouraged me at the beginning of 2021. And the book was published in summer of 2021. So it's not an autism story. It is inspired by an autist, my, my son who's autistic. But I do have a second book coming out. It's still in illustrations. And it's basically looking at the positive aspect of autism because that's what we all need as parents. It's looking at, it's titled Joe's Special Gifts. And I'm hoping to get it released around Autism Awareness Month uh, in April next year. That's awesome. If you think of it, can you send me the names of the books so we can put it in the show notes uh, so people can find it or or know where to look for it? Yes, I will. 
Okay. You seem like a wealth of knowledge. I think you advocating for autism is, um, I think you're a huge player in that space. You're you sound like a great person to have doing that. We're grateful to have you. Your kids are grateful to have such a cool mom that is uh, so engaged. Thank you. What do you say to the parent who just got the diagnosis? Uh, their world just got rocked and they're just depressed. They don't think they have what it takes to do this and they don't want to do this. Like, what do you say to them? It is hard, but it definitely does get easier. The first, the beginning... I would say the first year is the hard was the hardest for us. But really, really educate yourself and learn to advocate for yourself. You have no loss in trying and asking for something, you know. Um, a lot of the time, it's a human right uh, for our children to get to ask for accommodations and those sensory breaks. And I would say it only gets it gets better. The ch- your child will improve. A lot of the time, I see, see regression, especially in autistic kids. Mm-hmm. And then we see it's a stepwise kind of pattern I've noticed more. So you need to see some regression, even with the potty training. When he was potty trained, he regressed a little bit. But then you see that leap again. And you think, wow, why? how come I did not believe at that time, you know? How yeah. could I not believe? Um, and, of course, taking care of the, yourself as a parent, too. It's hard to find the time, especially with a special needs child. Um, but you have to have the time to for yourself, yeah, somehow have to find. I appreciate that. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us and share your story and love to catch up when your new book comes out and introduce it to our audience and just kind of hear how things are going. That's all right thank with you. you. Thank yeah. you for having me, Chad. And thank you for doing this podcast. That's that's great. That's so amazing what you do. <laughs> uh, thanks so much. I wish you and your family a great rest of the day and until next time, okay? Thank you so much. Same to you. Bye, Miriam. Bye. This concludes our show for today, and I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes. iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics, And the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes and we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long.